You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. No, I mean... There should be a sense of urgency. Um, you know, it's hard. One was at the 17. I think that was the second one. And the way we look at it in that situation, they're holding a field goal. That's our job, right? And to have, it, have them score in two plays was really disappointing. Um, the other one is around the 42 or something. I mean, that's plenty enough field there where you're not supposed to give up a touchdown. So we do always talk about sudden change, sudden challenge situations, what offenses like to do in them uh, during those. Um, and we just got to be better at it. I mean, the... The 17-yard line was a obvious. I mean, you, you don't have to be real intelligent in football to realize we lost contain over there, and the quarterback took off. So uh, we got to we got to tighten some of those things up. Ah, happy holidays to the folks! As uh, hey, man, we're we're getting through it here. Uh, the Chiefs just are looking great. Right now, uh, everyone feels fantastic about them when they watch them every week. Going to overtime to it against a team that we predicted complete blowout. So everything is feeling good, but it's a, it's holiday season, right? It's Christmas season, baby. Let's uh, enjoy ourselves. Happy holidays! Um, and um, uh, I'd like to take this moment to uh, uh, allow you all to know the gifts that I got you guys uh, for the holiday se- seasons. Um, uh, sort of your roommate should be coming in with it. Uh, and uh, he's not BK. He's your not wife should be in. I had to um, come on in, guys. <laughs> not nobody's here. Come <laughs> on in. No one else the, the best part is that my wife literally just walks through the door getting home from work. <laughs> the timing <laughs> couldn't have been any Almost better. Like, Almost I literally had just had to let my dog out the room because she just walked through the door. Almost had him. It's just going, This is how this is what show. No, I ain't get you on that. Um, not because I don't love you. Uh, just, uh, boy, that was good. There's, are you sure there's nobody else there? Come on in, guys. Nope. Oh. The in dog's here. in here. I mean, she's bothering me, but no presents from her. Oh, Lil. She got Christmas presents. I got her stuff. Did you? Listen, uh, can, I, can I just say this? Can we get to these these Chiefs? Um, I mean, the excuses are done. I know there are some people out here. Uh, who want to call show negative? Want to call me mean? But I just, I just speak it like it is, like we all do. Um, last week we came in and did the show, and, and I think we all were gonna gonna just give them a pass against Denver a little bit. Like, hey man, it's hard to get up for the Broncos, and 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 that ripping kid comes in, and all right, man, all right, there's a game, kind of overlooked them. You know, let like coming off the Bengal game. Let's let's all right. All right. They played terribly. Mahomes was turning the ball over everything. Defense didn't look good. We came in thinking, all right, now, now they're gonna be focused. They're playing the worst team by far in the NFL. And the team that they actually put out there is even worse than what they actually are. We're thinking, all right, now we're gonna see a focused Chiefs team. Now we're gonna see a team that's not overlooking 
this team, and they're going to put it on these boys. It's damn overtime. I'm in the building. It is 75, 80% Chiefs fans in the stadium. No <laughs> lie. When they did, and the home of the that Chiefs was nuts. It felt like you were an arrowhead. So they had the crowd. They, I, I think at one point, Davis Mills had to go to a silent count. They had the crowd. They supposedly, supposedly was focused, and they're in overtime with the team that has eight of their ten most important players not playing in the game. Not playing in the game. The Chiefs coaching staff got out coached, and and there is no there is no excuses. The Chiefs right now they were ready for that game. They weren't overlooking the sorry ass Texans. They just they just played that way. And the things that we've seen them struggle with all year and what we've seen them struggle with lately came about. And I mean, and, and I'm to the point now of it just accepting it. Right now, I ain't gonna I don't know what's gonna happen in four or five weeks, but right now, the Kansas City Chiefs are not the team that they need to be to run through the AFC. The Kansas City Chiefs are not the team they need to be to win their second championship. The Kansas City Chiefs right now are a good football team that probably I would bet this team that we've watched over the last month is a team that can go win three straight ball games against Miami or San Diego or, or the Chargers, excuse me, against the Bengals and the Bills or the Ravens, whatever. I just the way they've played, it is hard, even with Mahomes and Kelsey. It is hard to think this crew can run through three games. I've never, ever thought, BK, in this era that they needed everything, like home field advantage and all that. I don't know, man. This team, this team right now, just, I mean, they're just not where they need to be, straight up. People have called the Vikings frauds all season long, and for good Mm -hmm. reason. Oh, preach this thing. When you look, and, and and I'm on board with that, by the way. I, I do think that they are frauds. I don't think that think they're a legit unfair. contender. That being said, the reason why most people are calling them frauds is because they play close games every week. No matter who they play against, whether it's a contender or a pretender, they're playing close games. Last week, they had to have a historic, the, the biggest comeback in the history of the NFL in order to beat the Indianapolis Colts on their home field. Chiefs just had to go to overtime against the worst team in the NFL oh. in order to beat them while their quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, played one of the best games, one of the most efficient games of his career. He's playing at an MVP level right now and is, in my opinion, the favorite to win the MVP going into the final three weeks of the season. And you've needed every bit of his, his MVP season to carry you to the point where you are now 11-3 and three in order to win this division to potentially get a top three seed in the, in the, um, in the West. Like this, this is a situation where your team in general is just not where it needs to be right now. We've seen it. We've seen in the past, Andy Reed teams, most of his time here in Kansas city have peaked at the end of the season. That's why he runs his training camp the way that he does. That's why he shows very little early on in the season. He continues to elevate his game and his his team follows suit over the course of the regular season. The last two years, though, that has changed. 
Last year, we saw them, I wouldn't say limp into the finish line, but they were not playing their best football at the end of the season. They were playing tough games against the likes of Dallas, Denver twice, and the Chargers down the stretch. They lost to Cincinnati. The only blowout that they had in the end of the regular season was against Pittsburgh, and then again to start out the postseason against Pittsburgh. Going into that game against Buffalo, the only reason that Chiefs fans truly believed that they would beat Buffalo is because of blind faith. That was it. Because you've got Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and blind faith that because of the infrastructure in Kansas City, they will pull it off. The same thing is once again true this year. I I don't know, Ron, and this is maybe somewhere that we do disagree a bit. I don't know that there's anything that can change that for me over these last three weeks. I'm optimistic about this team. I still believe that they can actually go on a run to the Super Bowl. But for me, it's not based on what we've seen recently. It's based on blind faith and the fact that they have Patrick Mahomes and nobody else does. And that's it. That's the reality of where this team's at right now. Before I uh, get into my opinion on this matter, I want to remind you that DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is the place to go when betting on the NFL this holiday season. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Plus, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code 5QUESTIONS. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code 5QUESTIONS only at DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm in a similar boat with you guys, I think. But I, I've been thinking about There ain't no this. other boat to be in. <laughs> I've been thinking about this a lot over the last few weeks where we've seen this team really start to struggle and trying to figure out what the issues are. And I think the issues are evident and apparent. Like we know exactly what the issues are that are plaguing this team. Like they don't create turnovers. They also turn the football over their pass blocking's not particularly good and their defensive line doesn't generate enough pressure. Yeah. They've got good sack numbers on the season, but a lot of that is stuff that's dialed up by Steve Spagnola with, with the blitzes and stuff because he knows he can't get home with just those guys uh, with the front four. And that's a huge issue when you start talking about playoffs and some of these other Super Bowl caliber teams. But I, I'm at the point where maybe it is blind faith like BK is saying, but I'm just like, Man, we've just kind of seen this team do this a lot, though. And and maybe we do have more questions because of the young defense and whether or not this defense is actually going to get over the hump or not and and give you something and help you put together a run. But the reason I'm still, I think, more optimistic uh, about the overall season-long outlook is that we saw a lot of teams struggle last week. We saw the Eagles struggle against the Chicago Bears. And we saw a lot of these other upper echelon NFL teams really struggle to put together wins. And we've seen the Buffalo bills struggle and now they don't have Von Miller, which was the biggest deciding factor this season. I think in why I was like, Oh, the Buffalo bills are are, are heads and shoulders better than everybody else. They're still a really, really talented team with all kinds of talent on that roster, but we've seen them slow down quite a bit and they've had a lot of injuries that they're dealing with. I, I just think that, the NFL season's so long at this point and you got that extra week now and there's only one playoff by, I just feel like we see a lot of teams kind of slogged to the finish line at this point, And it doesn't necessarily project to playoff success, but 
the reason I'm more optimistic about the Kansas City Chiefs is because we've just seen them do this over and over again and then still find success in the playoffs because they have Patrick Mahomes. And I, I think I'm still really optimistic that this team can be the best team in the AFC. They can go win a Super Bowl, and hopefully the defense does figure out some of the issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're in hoping. You're out here hoping. You're hoping <laughs> and you're telling yourself this. Uh, and, and it's cool. Like I said, right. I'm, I, I want to be clear right now. Not saying it can't change, but right now, like to me, these next three games they can do something if they could, like uh, if they can show me that they can actually flip the switch because that's what you guys are saying is we feel like once the playoffs because we've seen them do this before mm-hmm. that they will flip the switch. Well, here let me tell you something, Jack. I don't know. I've seen past Chiefs teams flip the switch. I don't know that I'm 100% confident that this team is. I don't know that I know that this team can go flip the switch. There's a lot of new parts. Everybody just talks about Tyreek Hill leaving. There's a lot of new parts to this team. There's a there's a lot of new parts of that. Hell, that secondary is damn near all new, right? There's a lot of new parts. Up front. There's a lot of different parts to just say that this, this group knows how and can flip the switch so i'm not 100 percent confident in that and that's why these next three games if we see because i thought they were going to flip the switch against the texans this one this one threw me off right i thought they're going to flip the switch against the texans they could not and they were trying to it wasn't like oh oh no no they were trying to and they could not get away from them right and that's that's concerning and then and the denver game this is like this is why it is hard for me to just kind of roll with to use the term you use uh, Asserta is optimism. I, I don't know that I'm optimistic. Man, they're one in five against the Bengals and the Bills in the last two seasons. One in five. And then when you combine the one in five against those teams, and now you're struggling back to back weeks against the two worst teams in the NFL. Not just worst teams, the two worst scoring offenses who are putting up 24 points and putting up you know, whatever the Broncos scored last, you know, two weeks ago, well over their average. Like, yeah, I'm a bit concerned because the things that they've had problems with, they're still doing it. Like we're seeing them. It's isn't just like, oh, boy, the turnover thing just popped up. But no, the thing, this is this is becoming an issue. So I'm not, I'm not so certain that this crew has given me belief that they can just flip the switch. Because this is a different group, and I'm I'm telling you, I don't think all of these performances that we've seen, like against the Rams, they've got a few of them against the 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 Broncos. This one against the Texans is all, hey man, they just you know they're just trying to get through the game, like oh it's a sluggish finish. Like for me, man, you can miss me uh, sort of with the there are a lot of other good teams that struggled last week. Yeah, the Eagles may have struggled on the road against. The Bears, with their quarterback, had an injury there a bit. But then they beat the dog breaks off of teams the last couple of weeks, too. Like, they've beaten the holy hell out of teams, right? So, I, I like, I, I just can't look at those other teams. I'm looking at the Kansas City Chiefs go against the two. It's how the, it's how these games are going. Like, they're giving up to teams that they should be giving up that many points to, and they're helping them. Like, that, that, that's my issue. If you want optimism, here's – the optimistic case. Optimism is what I'd like to call it. <laughs> seven and one in their last eight games. In those seven wins, 
They have scored at least 26 points in every single one of them. They've had at least 430 total yards. They've had at least 310 passing yards. And if you look at them on the season now, they are number one in the NFL on a per-drive basis in plays per drive, yards per drive, and points per drive offensively. They score more often than any other team in the NFL when they have the football on a per-drive basis. Like, you look at the offensive statistics, they are resoundingly the single best offense in the NFL. That is your optimism. The pessimism is that despite those numbers that I just gave, these games are close. And they're close against the Rams. They're close against the Jaguars by the end. They're close against the Chargers, the Broncos, the Texans. You lost against the Bengals. Like, that's not what this is supposed to look like. If your offense is performing the way that it has, you're supposed to eventually pull away. Even in 2018, when we saw they had a terrible defense, they pulled away in some of those games, especially against the lesser opponents. This year, that's not happening. And the reason why is kind of threefold. One, the turnovers that we've mentioned. It has to get corrected. And Ron, we can expand on that here in a little bit on what it means for this game against the Seahawks. But these turnovers are awful. And they happen every single week offensively for them. Two, it's the penalties. And the penalties are what really kept that game against the Texans close. And you can agree with them, disagree with them, whatever. There were some that were iffy at best. But the penalties were not just a one-off against the Texas Texans. It's something that has been a recurring theme for them, especially in the second half of the season. And then three, the defense just does not have... The 11 guys that are out there at any given time defensively are not good enough to win in a classic defense style. The Denver Broncos defense is good enough that whether it be scheme, players, whatever, they can just get stops. Like, you can be on track second and six, third and two. They'll get a stop. The Chiefs' defense doesn't operate that way. They need you to get off schedule. They need it to be second and 13, third and 13, for them to be able to get a stop. And they don't have enough playmakers to create that havoc, those TFLs, the sacks, whatever, consistently, to be able to then help them get off of the field consistently. So, Between those three things, that's why the offense, which is clearly the best in the NFL, is not able to overcome what is a poor performance elsewhere right now. It's mostly self-inflicted wounds and a defense that doesn't have enough playmakers to be able to get off the field consistently. Yeah, I I, I just did. Whatever the switch, whatever they got to do, whatever they – like over the next three games, they just have to play better football. Because they're right now – right now, literally, the position they're in – I mean, they're looking at the Chargers or the Dolphins coming into Arrowhead in their first playoff game. Yep. And they can lose to either one of those teams, and it wouldn't be a surprise. And quite frankly, what those two teams specifically are able to do are are issues for for the Chiefs all the way around. So I, I mean, I like this ain't Pittsburgh and old ass Ben Roethlisberger, you know, waltzing in. Or the Colts that are limping yeah. into the playoffs. Like this is this would be a very real wild card round matchup that there yeah, will be yeah. people if they play against either of those two teams you just mentioned, Ron, and that does appear to be the most likely outcome here. There will be people nationally that are picking those teams against the Chiefs, and it shouldn't be a sign of disrespect. No. Like if you're a Chiefs fan that's like, oh, look at all these people that are out there picking against the Chiefs. Look at this hate. No, it would be totally reasonable for somebody to pick against the Chiefs in that scenario. It's a Dolphins wild card matchup is a nightmare scenario for me. I think the Chargers are a nightmare for me. That that and team has played the Chiefs the third tough. time 
and they every, haven't every time they play, and they haven't been healthy when they yeah, play. And them. they're getting better right now. Like the Chargers have been playing. The well. Dolphins' defense is so bad that I think it would just be a shootout. That like whoever has the ball yeah. last, it would be like the Bills game last year potentially. The Chargers have a defense that can give this team trouble, and they have given this team trouble in the past. So that's that's the one that I really that would really concern me. As but the thing said. is, what we watched this year and how this year moved upon, especially after the Buffalo game where I said I was very encouraged, even though they lost, I, I didn't think we'd be in a space where we'd be talking about, what, they got to face the Dolphins or the Chargers. <laughs> like this team just hasn't grown the way that that we may have thought they would coming into uh, a- after that Buffalo game. They, they've taken some steps back in certain spaces. Every week this season, we'll be cooking up our own parlay that our good friends at DraftKings will put right on their homepage for all of you, our loyal fans, to follow. This week, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Seattle Seahawks Saturday on Christmas Eve, so make sure you are locked into the Arrowhead Pride Twitter feed. Later on this afternoon, we will have those picks up for you. As always, each and every week, all of the picks are made by Pete Sweeney, so if they don't hit, blame him, but we got a really good feeling about this week's parlay, so make sure you check out Arrowhead Pride's Twitter feed later on this afternoon and each and every week. DraftKings has new offers and great ways to make your Sunday more fun. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, we do this every single week when the Chiefs have the ball. Listen, the madness has to stop. This turning the ball over, I I really do not give a rip about anything else that happens in this game offensively for the Chiefs. Well, I mean, I I, I want them to score points to win. But I like there is nothing. I I don't care. Hey, Kadarius Toney came back. Another week for him. We'll see. We'll see what happens with McCole Hardman. We'll we'll see. The running game. Hey, how the offensive line. There is nothing that I care about more than I am paying attention to more in this game than can they play a game without turning the damn thing over? Can they do that? Is it is it possible? I know that BK is normally the stat monger, but I'd like to I'd like to throw one out there. Didn't take me very long to find or to count. In the last six games, they got 13 offensive turnovers. 13. And be honest with you, hell, they've only lost one of the games, but they got 13 offensive turnovers. Like, we can talk about, and I, and I said this a little bit last week, we can talk about the defense, we can talk about a lot of stuff. 13? This ain't this ain't just a one-off. This is a trend. This is what you're doing. And they're getting multiple pops a game. Like, it, you, I mean, it's almost, you walk in, she's going to give you two. Now, will you take three? Like, I mean, it, it and, and it's changing the game. Like, the, like the, the Texans stink. But the thing that kept him in that game, you talked about the penalties, but Isaiah Pacheco fumbling the ball on the 17. That's a hard hit, but my goodness, hold on to the football. Juju Smith-Schuster, this was about to be a drive that I think was going to break the backs of the Texans, and they're probably going to go up double digits there, and then probably now now, now the Texans got to throw it with Davis Mills, and the run is out, and now the, the best part of the defense is available. Nope. Midfield. Juju is fumbling the ball. Like, that's just that game. The reason why the Broncos, like, I think the number one main reason 
amongst anything that the Broncos and the Texans stayed in those games is because they got five turnovers against those teams. And then they're and they're turning them into big points, big boy points, sixes. Like that, the, the madness has to stop, dude. And listen, Seattle's all Seattle's defense stinks. The madness has to stop. Stop turning a football over. Pat, now what Pat this past week? Now it's everybody taking the turns, grabbing the ball. Just stop turning it over. The one loss they had is directly, in my opinion, turned or it turned on the turnover from Kelsey. The fumble there. They have got to stop this. Every game they're giving it away. The turnovers are the story of the season thus far. Right. And it's weird because it was the story of the season last year. Yeah. And and last year it was all of the weird, the balls popping up off the receiver's hands. And you haven't seen as much of that this year. But like, Ron, you said I'm the stat boy over here, right? I've got a stat for you. In this stretch that you're talking about, the Chiefs have the second most turnovers in the NFL. You know who's number one in that stretch? Who? It's your squad, the Houston Texans. They've got 16 turnovers uh, over the last eight weeks. The Kansas Kansas City Chiefs are second in the NFL. You know who's number one in that stretch in yards per play? The Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are number one in the NFL. They're averaging six and a half yards per play in this stretch of games. Second is the Miami Dolphins at 6.2. Third is the Philadelphia Eagles at 6. Like, they are lapping the field when it comes to yards per play. The funny part about this, too, defensively, they are 6th in yards per play allowed. They're actually not allowing that many yards on a per-play basis. They've been okay, but they're not getting those havoc plays that we talked about. And they're turning the ball over so damn much that they're allowing their opponents to be in good position to be able to score on the ensuing possession. And BK, it's sort of when the Chiefs turn it over sometimes, I mean, they turn it over. They turn it over in just the, the most inopportune times and the worst places on the field for their team. Just think about their losses, the Colts. The thing kicked off yep. with the Sky Moore turnover that was inside in the red zone right off the bat. Right? This happened last week, right off the bat. In the, I mean, they turn it over. They turn it over. And, and a I mean, lot of the time, Bronson, this is narrative based, but it feels this way. You can tell me if you agree or disagree, but it feels like a lot of the time when they turn it over, it's when they're getting ready to potentially extend that lead out to be like a insurmountable lead where they're getting ready to go up by three scores and then boom, turnover to bring it back to a one score game. It's like, man, if you could just pull away in some of these games, we'd be having a totally different conversation where we're talking about, hey, man. This might be the best offense in terms of an efficiency basis that we've seen in the Patrick Mahomes era. And defensively, yeah, they don't make a ton of plays, but you know, they're they're not terrible out there. They've got some rookie corners that are doing some good stuff, but instead because of the turnovers, we can't even have those conversations right now because it's just impossible to overlook what's happening. No, I I, I, I mean, sir, it's to me it's just it's insane. I, yeah. I I just I mean it is it is the story of why this thing looks so bad and the way they're doing it. I think you said it, sir, a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was at the Denver. I don't think maybe you said it in more particular, Patrick. You don't think he's gonna turn the ball over like that because he hadn't done it a lot. Man, I, I didn't think it was gonna be like, but they are I mean, it's just like, all right, man, we're coming in, we're gonna give it to you. But like what I would say is that we've got a large enough sample size that this isn't just like a fluke thing where we talk about turnovers in the NFL, where, you know, they come in waves or something like this. 
like this is a trend offensively and defensively. Like they have an issue turning the football over and they have a massive issue creating turnovers. We've got a large enough sample size to say that is an established fact at this point. But what I'm more confident in is the offense figuring out how to stop turning the football yeah. over than I am I hope the defense so. creating turnovers. No, they so have I, to. Somebody I, got to. I hope that wave is coming. Like, I hope there is a positive regression wave for the offensive turnovers. Cause I think that they're at least more than capable of it. Like, you know, that costly Travis Kelsey fumble, like you're going to bank on Travis Kelsey, not fumbling the football more often than not. Hopefully the other guys who have, you know, lost some, lost some bad fumbles here over the last few weeks, you get that stuff figured out. And at least you can bank on the fact like, because Spags talked about that even a little bit this week, like the Chiefs really having an issue when the offense turns the football over, stopping the offense once they take that field, once you have that quick turnaround. And I think it would help the defense if the offense can do that. And it's the more fixable problem, I think. So they just have to figure out how to stop doing it. Let's string a couple of games together in a row here at the end of the season without turning the football over offensively. And I think you'll feel a little bit better heading into I did, the playoffs. I, 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 you know what? I almost won't even be greedy. I'll settle for just one turnover. <laughs> just one in the, the next three games? Just one in the first half. I mean, I'll, I'll settle for, for that. Because it's just – I mean, it's 13 in the last six games? I mean, you got to be kidding me. Like what? I mean, my goodness. And I wonder, I didn't go as as far. I wonder how many of those 13 have turned into seven. And it's, it's you know, the last two weeks. I feel too. like all of them have, <laughs> I feel like almost all of them have. I, I bet you, I bet you Willie Gay and Chris Jones over there thinking, hell, why don't y'all just take it all the way back? Yeah. Just, just, just pick six, this sucker. So we don't have to come out here and then, mm-hmm. and then us look here. Now uh, we'll get to the defense. I will say, like, I mean, you don't have to allow touchdowns every time. I mean, it's, I mean, they turn it over. You could, you could hold some teams to field goals and not let them march all the way down. But whatever, they've got to fix that. I, I think another thing we've talked about, BK, a bit, and, and I think it's a good conversation to have and, and maybe to look at this, this week too as they play the Seahawks when they have the ball is like we're, there's one major thing that's, that seems seems to maybe it's just us we're watching it, but seems to escape uh, the the Chiefs' offense. They're number one across the board in a lot of things, but I know we've talked about the the big play seems to not be a, as as much a part of their offense. And I feel like they've had misses. I feel like they've been there. They just seem to have struggled all year to connect on that. Who was it last week? Was it uh, Justin Watson that dropped the the dime pass from Patrick Mahomes? It was Justin Watson that dropped one, and then Mahomes just missed uh, MVS uh, early in that game, where that could have been another another big play where he was open, and that, I mean he just threw it short. But, and, yeah. and that's that's the kind of stuff they've just got, they've got to be able to figure it out. Last week, the longest pass play went for twenty one yards, and it was a broken play that went to Jarek McKinnon. And it feels like that's kind of been the theme lately. Is Jarek McKinnon is the one that's their explosive player in the passing game? I'm not saying they got to be throwing it left and right deep down the field this year. If you look at the numbers, they're like pretty similar in terms of their their completion percentage, attempts, all that stuff to what they were a year ago. Because people are just playing differently in the NFL now than they were a few years ago. I think the biggest thing, Ron, is they're not scoring 
on their deep plays this year. Here's Patrick Mahomes passing uh, passing touchdowns on passes that traveled 20 or more yards down the field in his career. 2018, 15 of them. 2019, 15 of them. 2020, 13. Last year, nine. This year, three touchdowns on passes that traveled 20 or more yards down the field. So some of this is just a feel thing where we're so used to them being able to connect on those deep balls that end up in the end zone. And this year, we just have not seen it. It's happened three times all season long. I'd like to see that more incorporated into their passing game. And I, I do think it is something that, like, against the Seahawks, you should be able to get that. Tariq Wollin is very, very good. Their other corners are not particularly good. And then against the Raiders, you should be able to hit on a couple of those as well. So it is something that I do think down the stretch they should be able to have some success with. Man, it, it, that, sir, I know you don't want to hear it. But it feels like, boy, they they really miss McCole Hardman. And that and that element of what we're talking about here, not just I'm happy to admit that. I, no, I mean, they need not. him. Okay. They need you don't him. Have to lie. Okay. It's I, I wish they would Finally. use Sky. I, I think that Sky Moore is a better player than he's been given an opportunity to show this season. But he isn't explosive in, in the way that McCole Hardman is. He's not the type of like red zone weapon that McCall yeah. Hartman is once they get inside the 10 yard line. So they need him at least for that. The fear, there's the fear of the speed and what potentially he could be doing on a play opens up, not just him, but opens up everybody else for, for down the field plays. And that element not being there has just, I mean, especially a lot of different th- stages of their offense, but especially that, the big play element. I mean, he is – I mean, they're missing him, and, and it is really, really evident that that his his explosiveness is, is kind of hurting his team when it comes to that. All right, when Seattle has the ball – I know for you, BK, this comes down to to really one one thing. We've had a couple of couple of conversations like this. They played the Titans. You say this comes down to Derrick Henry. We agree. They, they you know, there've been games like that. This one, Geno Smith is the quarterback. They got a ton of injuries, very similar to the Texans of last week. Uh, we know Kevin Lockett's kid, Tyler's not going to be there. That's bad, man. He has he become more. Uh, Tyler's dad or Kevin's son is it or is I don't know how you how you put it. I, I think it, Kevin is more Tyler's dad now dad, than Tyler yeah, there is you go. Kevin's son. I think Tyler is the the bigger name between he's the become, two yeah, yeah, he's he's become, yeah. 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 He's he's a legitimate, really, really good NFL wide receiver. All right, calm down, sir. Hey, he's much he's much better. Like he's just a much right, better yeah, player. Yeah, Kevin Tyler Lockett's dad, Kevin. Um, he's out in this game. Kevin's out and Tyler both <laughs> are going to be out in this game. And a lot of weapons are out. This one's about like, you just can't let DK Metcalf beat you. Right. I mean, you just, I mean, you just can't. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's clearly their number one weapon. I do want to say as an aside, Kenneth Walker, like the chiefs tackling has been terrible this year And Kenneth Walker is a, a guy that if you don't tackle him, he's going to keep running like his yards. I'm thinking about contact, starting him. I'm thinking about starting him. I, I think I, you should. I, I mean, I want to start him, but he's very questionable. 
Yeah. If he doesn't play, all right, you're in an all right spot. Travis Homer ain't going to hurt you. But if he does play, Kenneth Walker is awesome, and he'll run through those arm tackles. So be sure to like actually tackle him to the ground, unlike what they did against the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. That being said, the real concern here is DK Metcalf because he wins in the ways that Steve Spagnuolo is okay with you beating him. Like Mike Williams, think back to what Mike Williams has done to the Chiefs over the years. DK Metcalf is just a more talented and better version of Mike Williams, in my opinion. And if you're going to give him the option of going up deep down the sideline to be able to beat you against man-on-man coverage, he's going to do it. And your corners have shown, especially the the guys other than uh, McDuffie, they've shown that they're not going to be able to make a real play on the ball. So there's no reason for Geno to worry about throwing that and giving his guy a shot down the sideline. So DK Metcalf, if you find a way to not even stop him, slow him down, I think you've got a really, really good be, uh, chance to be able to win this game because Noah Fant is questionable. Tyler Lockett is out. As we're recording this, Marquis Goodwin is questionable as well. It's possible Will Disley is their number two pass catcher in this game, and Will Disley ain't beating you, man. Uh, yeah, I, see, the, and that's the thought is you brought up the corners. To me, in my mind, when I think about who has done the best against size, it's Legereus Need. Uh, when when he when you had to put him on Adams, you had to put him on Williams. You had to, he's done the best on size, but damn it, Watson and Williams are big corners, right? It's one of the things you like about him. One of those guys has to because I I do think Legereus Need is probably the guy that covers the big the bigger receivers the best. But you lose so much of a playmaker when he has to go out there and do that, and he's not playing in the spaces that's, that Spags wants him to. So one, it is so important that one of those guys step up and just show that they can, that they can do it so he doesn't have to do that with Snead because we talk about some of the issues this defense has. Getting off the field is a big one and creating big-level plays. Legereus Need is one of your big playmakers, and especially when he's up at the line of scrimmage and you are able to use him tackling close to the line of scrimmage where he's been able to call turnovers. And he's probably one of the top five blitzing members of the secondary in the NFL when he's able to go. Hell, he was, he's, got, he's, he's had his highest sack total of some defensive linemen the last couple of years. So I think it's really important that one of those young, big size kids steps up so they don't have to move Snead out there. So I've got another possibility, and I I know this is not something that typically Steve Spagnuolo wants to do. He doesn't like mirroring guys. I would just put McDuffie on him. McDuffie is your best cornerback, and it allows you to continue to have Snead in the slot. And I know McDuffie is is a small guy, so you do have the size disadvantage there. But he has shown an ability this year to be able to match up against some of those bigger guys. They tried that in uh, in training camp. They wanted him to go up against the bigger Chiefs wide receivers. And they've used it at times this year against some of the bigger matchups as well. I think McDuffie is your best guy. I want to see if he can do it. Because in the playoffs, there is a chance that he ends up being the guy that is matched up against some of those bigger wide receivers. I, I'd go, go for it in this one. He's your best corner. Give him the opportunity to take away their best guy. I don't know. Whatever, whatever it is, I, I think they just have to figure out a way, have somebody to be able to cover guys with size so Snead isn't forced to do it because they take away 
they take away maybe their second biggest playmaker and, and, and the ways you can use them. I feel like they really got to work on the chief secondary Again? just playing the football. <laughs> like I feel like the corners work on that. Uh, on a weekly basis, like I feel like they're like in reasonable position to try to make a play, and then these wide receivers are still ball catching skills, ball. baby. Like yeah, like like they they need they ha- they need better ball skills. They need guys who can go up and make a play and pull down an interception. And I feel like they aren't getting any of that right now. Have you seen yeah, Traverius Ward this year? He looks like a different yeah. player to me. He's been he, incredible. He looks, He's having the best he, season of his career. I, I don't understand. Like that you guy for his coachy BK. That's basically what you're saying. Is what it is. <laughs> laid it out. I, I'm, I'm so you want to fire the... Steve Spagnolo? You want to fire Spags? Oh, oh no! My, oh, I... my mom, my mom walked up the aisle in the second quarter and fired Steve Spagnolo <laughs> at the uh, Texans game and let him go. I, I'm not saying like I, I think Steve Spagnolo is doing just about as much as he can given the defense that he has, the personnel that he has this year. But I do find it strange that it seems like, and maybe this is just because I'm not watching him as closely as I did when he was in Kansas City, but. It, it it seems to me from the naked eye that Charvarius Ward is playing the ball better this year than he did at any point in his time in Kansas City. And that's weird to me that it is happening now that he is no longer in Kansas City and he does seem to be playing a little bit more freely. And by the way, he just he looks good in that in that Chargers uniform as well. So I, it's all of that stuff. It just and the Niners. It's strange. What did I say? Chargers. Yeah, he looks good in that Chargers, but he does. I've I bet seen you would look good in baby blue. In that, but he also <laughs> does look good in the Niners jersey. Dude, I don't know, man. All right, the game that is sweeping the nation, certified or imposter. Hit my music, sort of. I don't think he ever hits any music, but whatever. Um, the Pro Bowl uh, selections came out. Any snubs that you saw on there, Ron? Well, I know Nick you were Bolton, diving uh, through it. I know Nick Bolton should have been on there, I think. Uh, and uh, is Snead, did he make it? I don't think he made it. I think no, there's an he, argument there. He did there. not make it. Um, but i tell you who did. They had seven members. Seven Chiefs. Including Tommy Townsend, well-deserved. Um, yeah, except for as a holder where he's come under the most scrutiny I've yeah. ever heard for a punter or for a holder in NFL history. It's apparent that Dustin Colquitt just hates his guts. Like yeah, he wants, so. he wants him to fail. Yeah, he just does not root for him to succeed in life. No, he doesn't. It is clear, and I don't, I don't yet know how I feel about that. Um, <laughs> you have a workshop this take, huh? You didn't I have that it was going to be a part of the show. I, well, I haven't. I, I've thought about it. Like, is is dust is Dusty or Dusty being a a jerk or? Can I feel where he's coming from? I don't. I don't know. It feels. I will jerky. say, Butker. Butker threw him under the bus this week. Butker yeah. in his press conference when he was asked about it, he said, "Yeah, well, the, you know, no matter how the ball is held, I got to be able to get this off." It's like, oh, okay. You you pretty much answered that without answering it. That you're not happy with the holder situation. Yeah, he can he can kiss all of mine. <laughs> um, yeah, all. I mean, every last one of it. Um, by the way, can we just can we just take a couple of minutes? what is Andy doing? What is Andy doing at the end of regulation? Like he was like, he seemed to be happy with a 50 oh. yard field goal. Oh, I forgot I mean, all about that. Oh, it's, it's been such a long said, week. I forgot. I was so frustrated. I'm sorry. It's, I'm, I'm like, you have Ron, the best we've quarterback talked about on the planet. <laughs> it is third and 11. And you said, <laughs> he does it on a weekly three. basis before halftime. They, they haven't timeouts before halftime. Doesn't matter if they have it. They haven't stopped 
they haven't stopped Travis Kelsey all ball game. You didn't they trust it. their defense and their kicker more than they trust Patrick Mahomes in these late game situations. And it is baffling. It will never cease to amaze me. And it hurt them last year in the playoffs. And if they end up do- making these same decisions in the playoffs again, Ron, a lot has been made of Andy Reid, game management, in-game decision-making, all of that stuff. It will become a storyline again if he handles the postseason the way that he he has handled so far this regular season. The way he was handling that final drive was just like, I'm going to run it down, baby. 50, 51, I'm good. Third Mm -hmm. and 11, swing pass? Third and 11, what? Certified or imposter? (laughs) Play that music, Serta. Play it, replay it here. You're certified, right? Let's get you certified. I'm an imposter. Orlando Brown slid in here straight up as a voted member of the Pro Bowl for the AFC. Straight, I mean straight up. He's not an alternate. They don't even have alternates anymore. He flat out was voted. Certified or imposter, Orlando Brown, Serta, is a Pro Bowl tackle in 2022 oh he's obviously an imposter um <laughs> i mean we, God, we don't, man, the, the, I, this, I, this I don't need to dance around it here um now i the pro bowl is a joke and everybody knows it's a joke half the time the only reason the players get upset about not getting named to a pro bowl or something like that is because they have contract incentives based on going to pro bowls and, and making all pro teams and stuff like that so it's like it's extra money, especially if you're having a good season and you get snubbed from the Pro Bowl roster. I, I understand that. But what it is, is it's a percentage of fan votes and then it's coaches and players and they just give them ballots to vote on who goes to the Pro Bowl. And half the time they just select names that they recognize. And Orlando Brown, this being his fourth consecutive Pro Bowl, My is God. an offensive lineman on, that man. has a recognizable name to most of those guys probably. So it doesn't mean anything. It's certainly not you know, making an all-pro team or something like that. It's just a totally insignificant thing, and the NFL is making it known that they know it's a totally insignificant thing at this point. But if we're actually talking about the best offensive lineman in football, Orlando Brown is nothing close to that, and he doesn't belong on the list, so he's got to be an imposter. It's very clear that he is an imposter. I can pretend like I'm going to go ahead and like give him the credit that he thinks he deserves here. I, it's There is no argument in favor of him. Now, I will say this. The tackles in the AFC, not particularly inspiring. I don't know who else you were going to put in. So I guess but from that perspective, maybe you go with Orlando Brown Jr. But, man, we've watched him every week. He was not deserving of this honor. It does not matter. He's an imposter. Who is Cleveland's tackle? Who is Cincinnati's tackle? Jedrick Wills Jr. Uh, Lyle Collins. Jonah Williams. Let's go. All of them. Run him down. Let's go. In there. I'm sorry. Uh, Come on, man. He has single-handedly been one of the the number one reasons that some of the games that have turned the way they have is because of him. Yeah. Right? Like, he's not been very good. And I I disagree because he's going to use this, baby. He's going to use this, uh, Serta. I disagree. No, I've been to four straight Pro Bowls. And he's voting in. These are vote-ins. Jack, four straight. Come on, man. That ain't that. That ain't it. 
he is an imposter and it, it i mean it is insane that he made it i i i, I, I mean he's it's i i will say so what it, it does say something about the state of offensive line play in the NFL right now, because there is a lot of bad offensive lines in the league right now. Like a just, lot of bad offensive lines for what it's worth. If you look at the AFC and this is pro football focus, take their grades with a, a massive grain of salt, but the AFC tackles that have the highest grades from them this season are Colton Miller at the top of the list. Laramie Tunsil is two Morgan Moses from the uh, Baltimore Ravens is three and then it's Braden Smith tied with Orlando Brown Jr. as as four or five. So I think that, to your point, sort of speaks to the offensive tackle play in the NFL, but specifically in the AFC is really bad because those guys are like 20th in the NFL, but the vast majority of the guys in front of them are in the NFC. Yeah, I, I thought Wiley had a better chance <laughs> to make it. Oh, seven, seven, to be honest with you. All right, predictions. This game, I, I, I'll, I'll kick it off. I don't. I, I don't know what the Chiefs want to do. I don't know what they feel like coming in. Um, I'll say they're going to win. I'll say 28-17. I'm sure they'll turn it over and allow them to score something. I don't think we'll ever feel like they're going to lose the game. But 28, I'll say 28-17. I can't believe this is a 10-point spread. It. I, I think that's way too high. Uh, in my opinion, I, I think the the over under feels about right to me. It's up there with the highest in the in the league this week. I've got thirty one twenty seven. I think this ends up being a, a relatively close game. Mm. The Seahawks offense has been pretty good for the vast majority of the season. Now, Geno has turned it over more lately, and that's been a concern for them. But DK Metcalf's awesome. He's having a great season for them. And if they end up having their allotment of running backs available this week. This is an offense that should be able to give the Chiefs some troubles, and their defense is very bad, so maybe it ends up being like 34-27 instead. Chiefs put up a bunch of points, but their turnovers are a real concern at this point. So I'm going to take a 31-27. I do think that the Seahawks end up covering the spread. So it it feels like bad practice to pick the Chiefs to cover the spread at this point, especially over the last two weeks where you're like, oh, yeah, they'll easily do that against the Broncos and the Texans. But – I do think it comes down to the Seahawks injuries and not having Tyler Lockett is a huge blow to that offense. Like Tyler Lockett is and DK has been great this season, but Tyler Lockett's actually that team's leading wide receiver. And he had some, he had like a six game touchdown streak at one point this season. Like he's been really, really good for them this season. I think that Kenneth Walker is like really, really up in the air, like even more so than they're letting on, at least in my opinion, he just, Missed a game two weeks ago against the Panthers, Come comes back, plays against the 49ers, and then didn't practice at all this week. I think he was on the field uh, on their Thursday practice, but he wasn't participating or anything like that. So if it comes down to Travis Homer in the backfield and, oh, and no. Disley at tight end, I just don't think Seattle's going to be able to do enough. Their defense isn't good, so the Chiefs should be able to score. I, I think Kansas City is going to win this thing 34-21. to 21. All right, we'll see. Uh, as the as these rough, non-exciting games for the Chiefs as they end the season uh, come about, uh, they continue. Seattle this week. It's Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everybody. Enjoy your time with your folks, and um, we are out.